Welcome to Jaffa's Space, a podcast about the world of Jewish outdoor food, farming, and environmental education, also known as Jaffe. I'm Yoshi Silverstein. And I'm Hannah Henza. Together, we are the Jaffe program team at Chazon, the Jewish Lab for Sustainability. Jaffe is a catch-all term shared by many to describe educational experiences that connect people to Judaism, community, and the natural world through hands-on, thoughtful, and engaging Jewish content across different ages, backgrounds, and religious approaches. It's a growing movement with people, programs, and organizations throughout North America who are doing some pretty incredible things. Join us as we get to know the people behind this work, learn what Jaffe looks like on the ground, and get the inside scoop on the challenges, obstacles, and moments of serendipity that have shaped today's Jaffe landscape. Ready to go? Grab your shovel, your rake, or whatever your tool of choice, and let's dig in. in. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Jaffa's Space. We are Yoshi and Hannah from the Hazon Jaffe team. We are thrilled to be joined this week with Ren and Brittany. Ren Hack is the director of Hazon Detroit and Brittany Feldman is manager of sustainability and outdoor engagement and was also a Jaffe fellow in the second cohort. We are really excited to be talking to both of you. Say hello. Thank you. Welcome. And thank you for the one lovely introduction. And we too are very excited to be here and to tell you what's going on in Detroit. We're excited to hear what's going on. Speaking of what's happening in Detroit, we hear that you have been in the midst of bread camp this week. It sounds delicious and amazing. What is bread camp? Well, it was delicious and amazing. It was the Regenerative Grain Bread, bread Camp Workshop. It was a two-day bread camp where we brought in Greg Wade, the most recent James Beard uh, bread, Baker Award winner um, of 2019 from Chicago, Publican Bakery. And we brought him to Detroit to teach chefs and bakery enthusiasts, bread enthusiasts, how to work with whole grains, heritage grains, how to learn about uh, regenerative farming, and how to learn about baking with those regenerative grains and making more nutritious, healthy, whole grain bread. And we, we built a rather large wood-fired brick oven to bake in and sadly due to our wonderful climate change going on here we had 25 days of rain in may thus we could not finish our oven but we were able to rent a wonderful uh, bread oven of which we cooked in and uh, we had an amazing time people learned it was a connection between farmers and chefs and the bread enthusiasts and incredible conversations went on amongst the farmers and the chefs because so rarely do people get to talk with the originator of that food or that grain and our hope is is that in this kind of climate crisis we bring people to the awareness of 
buying local grains like they do local produce. So I think we made great strides in raising awareness and communicating that these last two days. And in the meantime, we created some incredible tasting bread uh, that was made from a 20-year-old um, sourdough starter that everybody got to walk away with along with their loaves of incredible breads and muffins and quick breads and all that. So they learned a lot. We did it purposely in Detroit in a one of our partnering farms. Um, so people not only got to enjoy the opportunity to bake incredible breads and learn from our incredible chef, but also to work and experience what it means to be in a food desert area and an area that does not have accessibility to this type of bread or these types of grains. So it was a, it was a well-rounded experience and really fun and really tiring. Fair enough. It has, it's been quite a week. It sounds like so Heritage grains, which I've yeah. been hearing generally, are on the rise, right? A much, which is a much, much needed area. So, heritage grains, building wood-fired brick ovens, <clears throat> baking bread. Right? What? What's Jewish about all of this stuff? Bread, if um, at, in our Jewish tradition, bread's the foundation of of all of our ritual, most of our rituals, including Passover. It's we begin our prayer with prayers over bread, and so we recognize that in terms of food and wanting to bring attention to food and its relation to the climate and climate change. Let's start at the very foundation. And we see bread and its grains as, as being that first step. Let's start with the bread and then move, move on to whether it's uh, raising awareness on higher welfare meat or raising awareness on, on higher welfare eggs, of which we've, we've worked with that. But when for us in this community, in our community, in the Midwest, we are part of the grain belt. So in Michigan, we raise an enormous amount of grains and beans of which 90% is sent out of the state, and much of that is then sent out of the country. So as Jews, we feel a responsibility to raise that awareness and also raise the awareness of, of what, is it, what is our tradition? Our, our tradition lies in bread and in whether it's challah or matzah or what have you. And so it, it felt very circular, just we're just coming around to who we've always been and how can we improve it? How do we improve the tradition? Thank you. So you've talked about, you've talked about bread, you've talked about food justice, climate change, right? Obviously, we're all part of the same Chazon family. We know that Chazon is the Jewish lab for sustainability. What is Chazon Detroit? And in a bigger meta sense, what is the work that you all are doing out in Detroit? So um, Hazone Detroit may look uh, very different than Hazone New York or Hazone Colorado or at Isabella Friedman. We do some of the same, obviously, education and awareness and advocacy. And then because of where we are, we're doing some different work. Because we're in Detroit or certainly connected to Detroit, we're doing a lot of food justice work. You can't be responsible Jews and not recognize where you're living, and just as I mentioned, intentionally creating the bread camp in a community that does not have access to good, nutritious food. 
and does not have access to even the the opportunity to bread bake. So that's why we you know built the built the oven, which will ultimately hold forty loaves of bread and God knows how many pizzas. So that's something that we are we do different than other communities because of our connection to Detroit and our connection to the urban farms of which there are sixteen hundred urban farms in Detroit. So we we work a lot with how do we partner with those with those urban farms? How are we as Jews neighbors with the black community? And what does it mean to be a neighbor? So that's that's something different. And then we certainly do with with Brittany's work the seal of sustainability, just on a somewhat larger scale. And and Brittany can certainly speak to that. Yes. Also, our work. I'm primarily in the suburbs here. And I would just say for, um, we're really working to strengthen existing Jewish organizations. So here we currently have 20 Jewish institutions in our Seal of Sustainability program, a variety of synagogues, uh, summer camp, uh, day schools, so really all over. And we're just trying to help them see that our responsibility as Jews is to take care of the environment and really providing resources to make that accessible and to bring them together to build a cohort here that we really feel is changing the community. And um, I've been with Hazone now for three years. I first joined, we had six sites in the program. We now have 20 and are continuing to grow. And I'm just excited to be able to help make that change. And from what I've seen from, you know, our sites at the first year of the program, we're still using styrofoam and now they're composting. So it's really amazing to see the change that's possible. And I'm just thrilled to be able to be a part of it. I love how passionate you both are about what you're doing. I mean, I think on the surface, it kind of looks like, oh, metro area, you know, what kind of work is there really to be done? And when you dive in, there's just, there's so much robustness. There's just so much passion and heart there. I would love to just have some kind of sense of how you each got to where you are. I mean, in this jappy space, we find folks who just come from, so many different backgrounds, and we all end up here. But, but how did you get here, Brittany? Ren, how how did you end up here? Go ahead, Brittany. All right. So <laughs> I am um, from this community. So I am born and raised in Michigan. I grew up in West Bloomfield. I had kind of a typical upbringing. I went to Jewish day school for eight years. In the summer, I attended a Jewish um, overnight camp, and that really, for me, was the foundation um, of my Judaism. I didn't feel very connected. Um, in school, but when I was out in nature, that's really where my love for the outdoors um, came to be. And so I always, in college, went back and forth, couldn't really decide what I wanted to do until I finally just sat down and tried to think what I was most passionate about. And I always came back to summer camp, to nature, to connecting people, to being outdoors and to learning. So that really was kind of what led me on my journey. So after college, I interned at the summer camp, Tamarack Camps, which is also now one of our Seal of Sustainability sites. So that's been a really cool full circle experience. And I interned there for their outdoor education program. And that's really where I was able to develop more of my education and facilitating skills. Um, so we would do anytime like groups would come in overnight camps, we would lead canoeing, high ropes course, team building. So I really enjoyed that. And then did another internship afterwards at um, a nature center in Farmington Hills. And again, was able to work primarily with students and kids who came in. So running nature preschools and summer camps, as well as um, Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts groups that would come through the park. So really 
was able to focus on just my general outdoor education skills and wasn't necessarily thinking about the Jewish aspect, never really saw myself as wanting to be a Jewish professional. And through an old employer at Tamarack, she reached out to me now about, yeah, three and a half years ago or so saying, hey, there's a new organization coming to Metro Detroit called Hazone. They're looking for a program coordinator. I think you'd be really interested. So I ended up reaching out meeting for coffee with our past director, Sue, um, not really knowing if it was a job interview or what was happening. And eventually, six months later, they weren't ready to hire at the time, which I did not know. But when they were, I got the phone call that they were interested and the rest is history. So um, it's been amazing to work here. Like I said, being from this area and really um, now through my work, getting to work with my old summer camp, my old day school and my old, old synagogue is such an amazing experience and I think when I first started I wasn't sure you know how I would fit in that role you know why would my old teachers or counselors or you know why would they listen to me but it's been really incredible to be able to work alongside of them and help me make change in the community. That's amazing I mean it sounds like you've really been able to blend different aspects of your identity into this work and and I think that's that just comes out so wonderfully in, in the way that you, you speak about the impact you're having. And, and like you said, to be able to, to really make change in your hometown. Like, how cool is that? So, Ren, how'd you get here? <laughs> Slightly different, different route. <laughs> <laughs> I would say maybe very different. Yeah. I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up on a small animal farm in uh, Massachusetts with cranberry bogs as my playground. I began organic farming uh, when I was a teenager. And I moved to Michigan um, because of my husband, uh, my then boyfriend, who, who was from here and thought it would be a great idea to return home. And at the time I thought, wow, let's go to Michigan for a few years. That was <laughs> 21 years ago. So I came to this, uh, on this very different topographical area, but have come to love it. I then became involved with my background as food. I had a catering business in Massachusetts and did some consulting work when I first came here and became interested in education when my children were young. I first went into Waldorf education and was a board president and admin person. And then my kids were going into Sunday school and I wasn't terribly thrilled with what I was seeing and I was good friends with the rabbi at the time. And he was like, well, why don't you just start teaching then? And I'm like, okay, I will, and began, began teaching first and second grade and somehow ended up as the educational director and overseeing the uh, children's program as well as the adult program. And that's where we first started bringing Hazone as a resource to our programming. So that was when I first began to know Hazone. And when Nigel was coming into the Detroit area, his first meeting, his first time in Detroit to actually meet with potential funders, I sat down with him along with Sue, who was who became ultimately the director, and he asked me, "What is it that you want, Ren?" And I said, "I just want his own to be here in Detroit. This is where you need to be here. You need to provide this re incredible resource to these to the Midwest and and to Michigan." 
So in the meantime, uh, he did get indeed get the funding and put Sue in place. I went from a very small synagogue that was reform renewal to a conservative synagogue to create an adult learning program there. I then went to the JCC to do their adult education as well as running their book fair events and their film festival. And I had not been there that long when Sue came to me and said, hey, guess what? I'm moving to Colorado to be with my grandkids. And what do you think? And I was like, crap, I've only been in this job for a year. <laughs> but then my very next thing I said is like, but wait a minute, this is my dream. <laughs> so after many conversations with everybody, I came into the position as director in August. And when Sue left in October, I took over. And uh, a dream ever since, as they say. Wow. You both have such interesting stories. I love the openness that you both share, though. Just like this theme of just saying yes, just like stepping into these roles sort of gradually as they present themselves, following your passions and really ending up in quite a beautiful spot. I have a quick question here. Which is that, Ren, you talked about, right, the, the cranberry bogs of rural Massachusetts. You're like, that's like, right, it's definitely something that a lot of folks associate with that part of the country. What's like, what's, what's a similar fruit or crop, right, that, that people associate with Michigan? Is it like, is it the cherries? Is it, what, what is it? Okay, so here, here's a lesson in Michigan agriculture. We are the biggest producers of beans in the country. We export the most amount of beans. Uh, We are also a huge producer of sugar beets, uh, cherries, obviously up north, apples, and then uh, grains, Um, as I mentioned with the bread camp. I mean, one of the reasons why people don't know, I didn't know that we were in the middle of the grain belt um, until we started this project. So there is nothing like cranberries here and nothing like the taste of a really tart cranberry, <laughs> but there's plenty of, of fruit and uh, wonderful, substantial food products grown here. I will say I saw that Michigan cherries were a thing when I was visiting at one point, and I'm a little biased coming from the, in the Northwest where we have our like Rainier, you know, Washington mm-hmm. State cherries. So, but I was intrigued and I was at a coffee shop uh, near Oakland Avenue Farm, which we'll talk about. And they had, they had a, like, Michigan cherry coffee blend. And I am normally really not a flavored coffee person, right? I like my coffee just like just the beans. But I was, I was really curious, right? And so I went, and, and I will say it was delicious. Call me a Michigan cherry coffee <laughs> convert, but, it, I, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. Well, also, sometime when you have a chance, try the Michigan cherry shrub and mix it in with your sparkling what, water. What is it's that? Michigan cherry shrub. You know what a shrub is? It's a, it's a vinegar-based. Now, you add it to carbonate it. But it's, it's like a, not a syrup because it's not sweetened terribly much. But it's, so it's like a concentrate. Yeah. Uh, and you like... It's a, it's a bottle, and you just add... Sparkling water. Bottle of something. Exactly. It's a bottle of of, of wonderfulness. Just, you know, enjoy the wonderfulness of Michigan cherry shrub. Yeah. Well, we, you know, 
I was imagining like a little bush. You have more knowledge. I've I've had shrub before, and right, it's like it's like a it's like a distinctive infusion, right? That will bring like the character of often right, like locally grown, regional sort of particular plants, crops, etc., fruits and and whatnot, right? Then it's like infused, and then it's made right to to sort of then um, help to flavor various. Um, and here in here in Brooklyn, there's there is a growing number of cocktails that are made with like you know, exactly various shrub concoctions. So amazing. So <laughs> thank you for thank you for that. So looking just at some of the other work that's happening in Detroit. So I know a few things that we've we've talked about. One is, and this is really interesting, I think, really given both of your backgrounds, whether it's working with Hebrew schools, JCCs, right, or working with both Jewish camps as well as non-Jewish, you know, outdoor and environmental education centers, I know that recently Pazon sent our Teva educator team out to Detroit to do some training with Jewish educators in the, in the Detroit area. So tell us what that was all about. Yeah, so we had um, our week-long Teva training here in Detroit, and for me personally, being a past uh, Jaffe Fellow, I was really excited to be able to bring those resources here to our community. I often feel like when I get to go to Isabella Friedman for Hazone-related events, I feel very lucky, and it's such a wonderful space, and um, being able to just be really immersed in that Jaffe culture is something that um, I realize not everybody gets to experience, and I would find when I would come back that I would sometimes lose a little bit of like that amazing feeling, and so I was really excited that we were able to bring Leanna and Ariel here for the week and introduce them to um, the educators in our community. So we had a mix of, um, we had some staff from the JCC Day Camp, we had directors of education at some of the synagogues in our Seal of Sustainability program, um, so it was a good mix of people, community members, community members as well. And it was a, a nice mix of, you know, people kind of starting into the Jaffe field, learning about it for the first time, as well as some other community members who maybe have heard about Hazone but didn't know what we were all about. Um, so we were able to host this at the JCC, which is one of our newer seal sustainability sites as well, which is exciting, um, and just took advantage of their beautiful woods that a lot of people, actually staff from the JCC, didn't know existed. Um, so we were able to use those trails we did, went through kind of all the different areas of Jaffe. So we had a day where we were doing a lot of, you know, Jewish uh, context. So we were reading different texts and seeing how that could relate in and out of the classroom and how to engage um, students in that way. We were able to be outside for a majority of the time. Um, So we were able to do a lot of outdoor experiences talking about how to lead a nature hike for your students or how to be able to bring, you know, if you don't have, if you can't access woods, how can you, you know, bring that into the classroom or, you know, turn your parking lot into a magical, you know, outdoor space for students. So um, really a great week just diving in. We also got to um, visit Oakland Avenue Urban Farm, and that was a nice way to show participants, um, again, the work that we're doing in the city. And oftentimes, you know, we're working in the suburbs and the city, and a big part of our mission here is connecting the two. And so anytime that we're able, you know, to do that, I think is really special. And overall, a really, I think, great week. I love that. I know uh, when I'm talking with folks who are involved in different institutions and uh, Jewish communities, often often they have that question of saying, like, Yoshi, we don't have 300 acres in the woods with trails. We don't have a farm. We don't. We don't even have a garden. Like, right? Like, how are we going to do 
Jaffe education and right being able to really articulate well you have a classroom right let's bring nature into the classroom or you have the median right or the um, little planted spot right here out in the in the parking lot or the median strip of highways really nature is of course all around us and so I love that you were able to take this to different folks in the community right and just help them to to learn and see how this can be really applied in so many different contexts. So we're going to take a quick break and come back. When we come back, we're going to think about just some of the key questions and challenges that you all are working with in your work with Zone Detroit. But before that, a quick break from our sponsors. We'll be right back. This episode of Jaffa Space is brought to you by the big old fiery ball of gas in the sky, otherwise known as the sun. The sun is a powerful source of energy that humans have been harnessing for millennia to support the energy we need to grow our food, including the grains we use to make bread. And did you know that in Jewish tradition, we even have a blessing to honor the sun? It's called Birkat HaChama, the blessing of the sun. This opportunity comes around only once every 28 years, when the sun is said to have returned in its cycle through the heavens to its position when the world itself was created. We just said it in 2009, so don't hold your breath. The next opportunity won't be until 2037 or 5797 in the Hebrew calendar. In the meantime, we know that the sun is not only powerful enough to supply energy for all our agricultural needs, it can even power our homes, cars, and airplanes. Oh, and it also provides vitamin D to keep us healthy. Sunshine has been inspiring hope every day for fresh starts and brighter, more sustainable futures. So next time you squint up at the sun on a beautiful day, turn that squint into a wink and thank the sun for all it provides. And we're back. So Ren and Brittany, we've talked a, a little bit about, a lot a bit about what you do and, and what's actually happening on the ground in Detroit. But I would love to hear, you've mentioned a couple different times the seal of sustainability cohort that you have uh that you're working on 20 sites but we, we were just ch chatting offline and you you mentioned this incredible project that you're working on Brittany and and I would just love for you to share a little bit about about what that is and, and what you're working on so I'll I'll start and then Brittany can come in what we Brittany and I talked a lot about our seal sites, some of them are now three and three years old. Yep. And how do we keep improving? How do we keep challenging? How do we take them to the... Mm. And so um, with numerous conversations, it's like, wait a minute, we need to have that bigger impact. We need to certainly keep working on the recyclables and the compost and, uh, you know, get rid of the darn styrofoam. But we also need to work with those institutions that is that are willing to make bigger steps. So we began talking about solar energy and solar installations, and we did a lot of individual conversations with synagogues and the day schools, and we did a um, large community conversation where we invited everyone from the community to talk with partners or brokers in the solar business. And right now, we're very well poised for solar installations because there's a tax benefit for for-profit investors or businesses to invest in non-profit 
insta uh, solar installations. So one of our biggest stumbling blocks in the past with doing, you know, wanting solar, which everybody is excited about. Yeah, I'd love solar, but I can't afford it. We now have the opportunity to install solar uh, without any cost to our organizations. So after the individual meetings and the, and the community meetings, we came down with eight organizations, everything from a JCC to our federation here, to the Hillel Day School, to synagogues, actually the largest Temple Israel synagogue in the country, who said, I'm in. I'm willing to go to the next step. Give me, um, I'll give you the data, which is actually from uh, the utility companies that they need to be able to create the appropriate solar installation plan. And you know, give me what we told them is we'll, we're working with two different companies, uh, brokerage companies, in the sense that they work with the contractors, the installation contracts. They put the plant, the site plan together. We then present one or two plans with each of these individual organizations, and they choose. So they can, for instance, either choose to go all in, and let's say with Temple Israel, that would be a $1.4 million installation, or they can do it in pieces and say, hey, we want to do the carport installation now because that seems our roof needs work. Let's start with that, and then we'll, you know, then we'll add the roof after we do the roof upgrade. So we, we have the opportunity here, that, and we're so excited about it, because we can change the optics of the community. People can be driving by our Jewish institutions and, and organizations and say, wow, they're literally, visually, making a difference. And in this community, we can, working with the utility company, which is no fun, but we can, in most instances, use, utilize up to 80% solar. Um, for their their utility bills, so that's that, a huge number. Yeah, yeah. You can't do a hundred percent because in our neck of the woods, if you do a hundred percent, our utility company sees you as recognizes you as a utility company yourself. Mm, well, they then you know says we'll see you in court because you're a competitor. But eighty percent seems to be the sweet spot. So. We are, we're into some big stuff. Yeah, I, I love this story because it's so different from the reports that we hear from so many of our Jaffe organizations, and yet it's, there is such an impact you're making here. And, and I, it's so, thank you for sharing, you know, I mean, the, the details of navigating bureaucracy and fundraising and for-profit and non-profit and really bringing that all together in a way that's pushing our collective Jewish community forward. Like that is, that is some really intense work. Yeah, it's pretty cool when it does work, because as you said, you're bringing in, you're bringing in corporates, you know, the, the big daddy, and you're bringing in the nonprofits that normally don't have this access. And then you're bringing in the big investors who say, Oh, great. This gives me an opportunity either to just simply make some money on my investment or congregants who can invest rather than donate mm. in synagogue or their day school. And when it comes together, it's a beautiful thing. It, it's for us, it can be very frustrating, but that's not what we, what we give to our organizations. We give them that this, Oh, this is, you know, let us go through this hassle and yeah. provide you with the pretty plans. So wow. 
it's nice. It, it feels really good to work against, in a sense, corporations and, and sometimes win. Yeah, no, what a shift in the narrative, you know, investing in versus donating to, you know, the, the real sense of ownership there. That's, that's so interesting. Well, I have to say, you, the way you both talk about your work, it, it really does just sound like sunshine and rainbows all day. And I know that that just can't possibly be true. I mean, you're talking about some really big stuff. So what is, what is something, you know, maybe for, for each of you that, that has really pushed you to be a better professional, whether it's, or, or a challenge you've really faced in, at your time at his own, you know, it, maybe it's with this project, maybe it's with something else, but like, what's, what's the flip side? <laughs> Go ahead, Brittany. <laughs> and I don't, people won't mind when you say I'm the problem. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. Oh, yeah. Where he's like, I, I have this new Bosch started last <laughs> Ben is the best, in all honesty. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad she's here. I don't know, it's tough. I think, I mean, for me, just the way that I... I feel that my, I get the best work done is I really center around relationship building. And I find that that is just the foundation of my work here. And I think that if we didn't have that, and if I just kind of jumped into, you know, these partnerships without really getting to know the sites on a deeper level and to see how, what they want and how I and, and his own can really help support that. I think just making, leading with like, you know, that, narrative and building on those relationships I think without that we'd run into more problems and so for me I think that that's that's you know not having the relationships I would see as the negative you know and I've seen that happen if you know a relationship isn't as strong as it could be I work to fix that I want to make sure all the sites here feel supported so that's really usually like my goal and um, how I think the work here and how it gets done and how it's so successful is because of that foundation that we're laying here in the suburbs with our sales sites, as well as, you know, all the work we do in the city and in Metro Detroit. So I think just, yeah, that's what I would say, just making sure that that, that is a foundation. And for the most part, yeah, it's not always rainbows and <laughs> sunshine, right? But it's, it definitely helps put you on the right path. Brittany, I love the self-awareness that you have, that relationship building is a key strength that you have professionally. Is that something that you have just known since you were a kid? Did you have some, like, like right, how did you discover that about yourself? And, and how, did, how and when did you learn to leverage that as something that is really an important professional strength? So, yeah, it's interesting. I definitely, I will say for a while, didn't see that as a strength. I'll put in a plug for the Joffe Leaders Institute, which I am currently in, um, which I did after my Joffe uh, Fellowship. And in all honesty, though, we took, we took a, you know, a personality test before we came. And when we were there, we were divided into what our leadership styles were. And I forget the exact title, but I was, you know, the top, like, corner of the grid of, like, relationship building. Like, that was just, you know, that it was a little bit, like, rigid that, like, I maybe need to work on other leadership skills. But that was definitely where I was most comfortable. And honestly, that was a moment where I never really saw that necessarily as a leadership skill or, you know, I didn't see that as a leadership role. And so I having that perspective and actually be, being given more resources and almost just like research that backed it up, this is a successful leadership skill. And to know that I had that in me was definitely a confidence booster and push. I think I've always just enjoyed working with people. I've been lucky enough to, you know, have jobs where I've been able, where it's really been 
group focused and like really being able to work in a team and in a group setting is just where I've always, I think, thrived the most. You know, I am able to work and lead and do things on my own, but I really enjoy having the opinions of others and being able to collectively work as a team. And I find it just really valuable to work together and to, you know, get an end result that you're looking for. So yeah, just having that experience in all my previous positions, as well as my current one, um, as well as just having some background through more professional development. It's been really helpful. Your turn, Rand. Tell us about some of your personal <laughs> challenges. How have you grown as a professional? So, grown professionally through all my positions, and it feels like working at Hazone is kind of the culmination of the skills, uh, the, the usage of the skills that I've acquired, still acquiring will always, and it's wonderful to learn from from the staff here. That's, I think, a real strength that is that for Hazone and as a as a general organization, we get to learn from each other. It doesn't matter what we're doing or how old we are, how young we are. We we're in a, a situation where we're always able to learn from each other. I will say, in set in terms of struggles. We have many responsibilities here, and it's sometimes hard to manage them all, to be energized about them all. And so that's, that's an ongoing. It's, it's a, there's always the desire to like do more, and then there's the realization that at times you have to pare down. So it's, uh, that's just an ongoing dis- internal discussion as well as a discussion with uh, the staff here. And the other is, I think, recognizing where we are and the fact that, that we work with Detroit and that we work with the black community here. It's a challenge to be the suburban white Jews going in to a community that has, is seen as having less and working alongside, as I mentioned, learning how to be a neighbor and learning what that means. And that's, that has, has caused us to have so many internal discussions, continuous discussions about how do we, how do we truly partner? How do, we're the, in, in a sense, we can be seen as the money givers, but that's not, that's not what we intend. Yes, we are giving the farms money, but um, we're, not, we're not lenders, we're not a bank. We are an organization that's in its mission tells we're working on sustainability. And so we're learning on the ground, what does it mean to be sustainable with your neighbors who have grown up in a completely different scenario, who aren't Jewish? And, it, and it's, it's not just the, the community, in, um, whether it's in Detroit, it, it could be the Arab community in Dearborn, which we've worked with, and the Greek community and the, the Mexican community that we were just working with this past weekend. So it's, it's a combination of like, how do you remove your labels and just be authentic and honest and um, be willing to, to get down on the ground and work together. So that, that's an ongoing, that's certainly an ongoing just struggle and challenge but also, it's fascinating where, t- where these conversations takes us. Thank you so much for, for sharing. I mean, it really is, it's good to have the whole picture. 
sometimes when we think about the work that we do and, and to realize um, how interconnected it really all is. Yeah, we are. We are. <laughs> so that's a great transition. I think that in the big picture sense, globally, we are in a climate crisis. And in the micro sense, or in the smaller, more particular sense, Jewish tradition compels us to respond. And we know that certainly the work that you're doing is part of this work of trying to build healthier, more sustainable communities, right? Both within the Jewish world and beyond. Yes, I am totally pulling in Chazon language here. I will totally admit that. Uh, we also know that there are communities, uh, for sure, you know, around the United States, Canada, elsewhere, who are really thinking and grappling about these questions of how do we build more sustainable communities, right? How do we tackle some of these existentially important and pressing issues in our communities? So with our final few minutes, I'd love to hear from the two of you, what advice do you have for communities who are looking to get started with Jewish environmentalism, sustainability work, right? Whatever their sort of access point is into this world of Jewish outdoor food farming and environmental education. I guess I would say take your passion and fly with it. If this is something you want, don't let anything get in your way. Talk to as many, talk or connect and talk to as many people as you can and you'll find that one person will connect you to another person that'll connect you to another person. And eventually you'll find like, wow, okay, we can do this. It's completely different than what I first expected when I started this process, but we can make an impact. We can do something. We have found that repeatedly here, we think we're going we're gonna to get from A to Z. And instead we go off on F and end up in you know, a garden in West Bloomfield. Suddenly we're, we're taking over a suburban garden or you know, we're, we're, we're saying, oh, wait a minute, we can work in with, we'll just work on sustainability in terms of cups and, and plates. So it's, it's not the, I would say, it's the action, not the, the total vision that you need. We can all make an impact. We don't have to make it big. If, if we all just made it, uh, as, we, as we know in the, in the upcoming Jaffe world and his own world, we're all going to have Brits that we say, you know, our personal commitment. What's our personal commitment? And just take a step. That's, that's it. Yeah, I would say, and I'm honestly not saying it because I work here, but I really think Hazon is such an amazing resource. Our website, you know, Seals of Sustainability, specifically we have so many resources that you don't have to be a SEAL site to access. You know, I've been starting conversations with other organizations in the city who aren't Jewish and, you know, saying, hey, the steel sounds really interesting to us. Maybe we can't join right now, but can, you know, can we meet? Can we talk about how we can, you know, take those tools and the resources that you are giving to your community and give them to ours? And I think just being open to those connections and really just sharing the resources we have here, just going off of rent, I think, like I've said before, just the cohort bringing people together, holding that space to let like-minded people who care about the environment and who want to make a change be able to and really supporting that and lifting up the work they're doing is really powerful. So for people who, you know, are interested or are thinking about, you know, talking to someone in their synagogue about recycling, but maybe don't know where to start, just to start the conversation. And I promise more people 
will care about those same things as you. And there's power in numbers. And I think just working together and just starting those conversations. And if in doubt, call us. Yes. We love to talk. <laughs> and we love to share. So reach out, reach out by phone, Facebook, Instagram. Hassan Detroit on Facebook and on Instagram is our name. <laughs> I love that you just like took my next question. Like where do we find you? <laughs> um, so great. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram, Facebook. Um, you guys have your own newsletter. Uh, that you can sign up for and I really you guys send out wonderful bars and, and meditations and, and bobble uh, stuff in, in your newsletter even if you're not from Michigan so yeah be sure to check it out join in on the fun amazing well with that we are going to sign off thank you Brittany thank you Ren so much for sharing your work sharing your stories and really inspiring all of us in all the different work that we do so thank you so much and we look forward to talking to you next time thank you, you bet thank you dropping programs are made possible by a growing web of staff participants volunteers lay leaders donors organizations institutions and foundations in particular, our national Jaffe work at Chazon is made possible by funding from the Jim Joseph Foundation. This podcast was produced by Yoshi Silverstein and Hannah Henza. It was edited by Leora Nevins and distributed by the Chazon marketing team. To learn more, check out the show notes, visit our website at chazon.org slash Jaffe, that's J-O-F-E-E, and be in touch. Yeah.